Welcome to part two of the Ghost Goal podcast, continental catch-up for November, the final international break of 2019 before the club season resumes again until March. Uh, I'm Alex, here with Javier. I don't think I introduced us in the first one, uh, but introing us now... Uh, yeah, everyone knows who we are anyway. Everyone knows, so, yeah. It's yeah, fine. Everyone knows yeah. about... Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We don't need to do intros anyway, you know. Uh, if you're listening We're to big this, time. If you're listening to Not this, really, but... it is likely uh, early in the second week of the international break. It's when this is scheduled to go out. So congratulations. You are in the home stretch of the return of club football. We are still currently stuck in the past. Yeah. On Thursday. Fucking blows. The week before club international football still starts. Still a while. But, oh, actually, I don't really want to... Actually, it's Wednesday. It's not Thursday. It's Wednesday. It's yeah. even worse than that. We've got a, like another week I was gonna in say, a I kind of enjoy this international break because even though I was like kind of bitching about it last time, in the last pod, thinking about it now, I'm like... Kind of need a break with Arsenal right now, you know. <laughs> There's one thing Arsenal need. Yeah, we need we need a little themselves. bit of a break. Uh, we need the toxicity to boil over a little bit, and uh, yeah, we got a couple of shit leagues to talk about. Syria, Liga. Way to pique the interest. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Neither of these leagues are going to go anywhere in the Champions League this year. Do you do you think do you think any team from Liga or uh, Syria have a, have a chance to go anywhere? I don't think Juventus only, or Inter only, do. Only Juventus, PSG, PSG and Inter. And Inter would be the third team, I think, in that. Because this is a perfect uh, lead-in right to the first team I, would, I want to talk about is is Juventus. Because uh, I think it was you that predicted when we were talking about them in context of their Champions League group with Atletico Madrid, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, and I think it was uh, Lokomotiv Moscow? or Spot- yeah. Lokomotiv, Lokomotiv. Moscow. Uh, in context of that group... I think the, the debate we were having is I thought Atletico would finish top. Juventus would kind of struggle to adjust to such a stark contrast in, in Sarri's football as opposed to what they've been playing the last like 10 years almost under Allegri and Conte that it would take maybe a half season for them to really like uh, grow into that. Instead, and this is something that I'm actually very upset with Maurizio Sarri for, Sarri has adjusted to Juventus and has adapted – his philosophy. So just play defensively. Not to a def- not to, I don't even want to say it's defensive because they're still holding possession for the vast chunk of games. They have vastly better players than most of their opponents. But but the balance there seems to be a whole lot better than it ever was at Chelsea, where Chelsea it felt like every square peg he was trying to fit into a round hole, and uh, I mean there were times glimpses where it worked, but you just felt like he needed to be a, a bit more adaptable. Do you think that's he's because? Done that at Juve. Do you think <laughs> that's Chelsea. because like he's in Italy, he's speaking his native tongue, he can like, in 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 like, but wouldn't that lend, implement his plans but better? Would, wouldn't that? Yeah, but yeah. Okay, like, I he, thought you were going with the opposite. Like, no, like he can implement his plans better. He can he can you know put every detail even more so into his players and. All these players have been there for a long time. They know Italy, so he knows Italy. He was going to a new league. He was implementing it on players that probably had their own ideas of the league and were explaining it to Sari. Whereas, like Sari coming back into Juventus, you could probably just say, "Okay, no, this is how things are. This is how I want it." And yeah, I'm sure it's been a much more seamless transition for him uh, going from Chelsea to Juventus than it was from Napoli to Chelsea. So I'm gonna I'm gonna like defend Sari a little bit there. And I mean, I think it's really impressive that they're top of their. They've already ch- through the Champions League group. They're top of their group, uh, and they haven't Can lost I rebut in that the just league very slightly before we launch into like their performance this season. I think it's as simple as he just has a vastly deeper and better squad. Like in terms of the forward three options compared to or relative to what they're facing in Syria in terms of the quality of opponents. Definitely, Gonzalo Higuain yeah. looks like another player 
when he's flanked with Cristiano Ronaldo on the left and Dybala on the right. And those those three shift and play. Sometimes it's only two of them uh, with Bernadeschi in behind as the number 10 slash winger hybrid. Uh, and, and sometimes it's Higuain up front and Ronaldo's asked to drift and Dybala's asked to drift. It's a more traditional front three. Ronaldo's been pretty disappointing this year. Only has five league goals, uh, one Champions League goal. I mean, statistically, just a couple yes. of penalties. I'm not going to argue it, but he's. You, you watch him; he's still absolutely a threat. And there's so he's many still of these a players. Threat. He's still a threat, and like still so many players. This that happened. He draws this happened a couple of years from. ago at Real Madrid, where he only had like right. he starts season. He had like he had like eight or nine goals in December, and everyone was like, oh, "Ronaldo trash." And he's, then like he ended the year. His with, age is showing. Yeah, he ended the year. Uh, he scored like 20, 25 goals in he's, like nineteen he's, games. Or he's something. the anti Lewandowski, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't count out Ronaldo yet, boys. Um, even though I was, you know, doing it a little bit there, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he's going to come back in at some point this year because he still looks like he's at absolute peak performance uh, physically. It just looks like he's going through a little bit of a hard time. Uh, Wojtek Szczesny like spoke about him in the media, saying, you know, yeah, Ronaldo's going through a little bit of a hard time. If he leaves us, you know, he leaves us. That's that it is what it is, which is one of the first but, times that we've seen a player publicly kind of speak out against him. And but Ronaldo has said. Publicly, like in recent weeks, he's really enjoyed playing under Sari. It didn't seem like tongue in cheek. It, it seemed like it, this is good. This is. Uh, it seemed like he was insinuating this is the way that Juventus should be going towards the the attacking style of a of a powerhouse European team. It shouldn't be all defensive all the time. They shouldn't be defined by that. So it's kind of a, a reverse situation to what we've discussed in the last pod with uh, Barca and. Bayern Munich, and we've seen a lot of big teams try to make that transition to Douglas uh, Costa has from, been uh, pretty looks pretty good under Sarri, especially recently. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, back, had, we, some, he's had some good goal goals. Zenit, or was it no Locomotive? That yeah, Locomotive. locomotive. Was a crazy he, he also scored in Syria in the weekend. Uh, the winner again. No, it was Dabala against Milan. Oh, uh, yeah. the assist. The assist was uh, Douglas. So yeah, I think not selling Dabala, and it was. Widely rumored that they were trying to offload him to United or to Tottenham or like anywhere. That yeah, get. that's big for them because I, I was thinking they're crazy. That is the player that when you tell me that Maurizio Sarri is becoming the manager, that is the player I'm most excited for in that team. And he's shown more recently that uh, that's absolutely the truth. And he he's obviously the youngest of that group of Ronaldo and Higuain up front. And they've got plenty of nice little adjustments I think they've made uh, other than at the front where – uh, he shifted Quadrado into like a full-on back four right back. Uh, obviously, Sandro's kept his place at left back. They've been forced through Chiellini's injury to play uh, Bonucci and Delic He's been playing uh, Pianic in the... In the Jorginho role. Jorginho role, yeah. And he's, he's even better than Jorginho. And we all knew that really, was going to really, really good there. So. And then he can play any combination of two uh, like destroyer midfielders who drift out wide and get forward and try mm. to make tackles. Any two of... Matuidi, Kadira, who's played a lot Bentancur. this year. Bentancur, uh, Rabio, Ramsey. Right. Damn. Yeah. He's That's, he's had a very he's got a lot uh, of squad depth. He's there. had a very uh, diverse array of talented you, players. You've got to say qualities. it's impressive that Inter Milan are only one point behind them. Then, yeah, because it's Antonio a title Conte, race. Yeah, it's it is. more of a title race than we have in. Uh, no, that's not true. In say, England, in England, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. It's it's not it's not nine points like it is between Liverpool. And yeah, Manchester I mean City. it's just a one point gap. So I guess you can say that right now. I mean, it, pretty incredible for him that Juventus ten wins, two draws, zero losses. Um, Inter Milan ten wins, one draw, one loss. So really impressive stuff from both teams. Um, you have to mention that one loss came. It was at home, but to Juventus, uh, right? And I mean, 
Juventus had the had the lead uh, for the most of that match, one nil. Then Inter equalized, and then uh, I think it was Higuain scored the winner. So Inter never led, um, and they are currently third in their Champions League group. So it's not like it doesn't look amazing right now, but they're still hanging in there. They're, they're by no means out of it in either of those situations. Lautaro Martinez and Lukaku uh, both having really good starts to the season. Lukaku has nine goals. Lautaro has five in the league and three or four in Champions League. So I think you got to say this team looks good. I don't know if they're ready to win the title this year. I think um, they are. Come on. They, they've... This is nothing. It's the Juventus on 32 and they're on 31. With I just think that this Juventus played. side, we were just talking about how much depth they had. I don't know if Inter have all of that um, depth. They have a lot of young players, a lot of new players that they've brought into the squad. Um, they have like depth in certain areas, certain areas. Yeah. Um, center back, midfield. Some of their midfielders, it's the, yeah. It's the wing backs, backs and it's maybe wingers. like the creative spark where yeah. they really suffered – once uh, Stefano Sensi, no and, more even Perisic anymore. Well, well, yeah, I mean that, that that's been a benefit, I think, getting rid of Icardi, Nangolan, and Perisic. That's like been the flushing out of the old guard for Conte that you kind of need. You need that under for, for Conte. You need everyone to be one hundred percent bought into in. the system. No yeah. drama, none of that. That's what Conte wanted. And the reason I'm mad at him, I was mad at sorry for adjusting tactically uh, at Juventus when he never did anything like that at Chelsea. I'm 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 not mad at Conte for what he's like produced on the field this year. So they're playing well. He's got a nice spine that he's formed there when healthy. Of uh, those two forwards you talked about, Martinez and uh, Lukaku, but also uh, Barella, Brozovic, Sensi in that midfield three with the two wing backs. And then obviously the three center backs they have are all like borderline world class, if not very seriously world class. Plus a young player in Alessandro Bastoni. Bridge, very uh, good. Skriniar, Skriniar and, and Godin. Just, I think it's the three best center back pairings. I mean, you can't get it better than that right now in the world. Yeah, I mean, they conceded three to Cagliari, I think, or Sassuolo. I think you got to. I think ago, you got to so. give them give them some time to mesh. But I think later on in the season that that could be an extremely hard defense to break I mean, with Handanovic in goal. The total spine, the defense is included, but that total spine of the team yeah, is pivotal for Conte to ha- stay in this this title campaign with Juventus. But where I'm like kind of annoyed with him. He's continued this narrative that he started at the second half of his Chelsea tenure at the start of the second season, where he was just constantly complaining about not having enough players. Every time there was a Is he a doing draw, that now at Inter? He's well? doing it every week at Inter Milan. And I mean, yes, they sold a bunch of players, gave him what he wants in that regard, but he still feels, even with Sensi, uh, even with Lukaku, even with Godin, well, this even guy, with this Barella. guy likes winning titles and he thinks he doesn't have enough players. Going deep into the Champions League, so fucking listen to him. I mean, he's one of the best managers in the world. So that's my question. I would, do you think uh, he's earned the right to to demand more the toys players? out yeah. of the pram like this? Yeah, I do. I think I right now, so and I think his performance at Chelsea, uh, at Juventus, for the national team for Italy, and now at Inter Milan, it proves it. I mean, every time this guy comes in, he's, he's successful everywhere. Yeah. Fucking impeccable. I mean, again, 10-1-1 to start the season when Inter were, sh- were in shambles at the beginning of last year. Uh, and we look at a, a team like Asa Milan, who are on like 13th or something this year, or, or 10th. and Napoli um, dropping out of the top four so far. Yeah, teams like Napoli are in 7th, Roma in 6th, you know, teams that we would expect to be, you know, easily into the top four and maybe even challenging for the title like Napoli um, are, you know, 11 points off the pace and, you know, sorry, 13 points off the pace. And and yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive to come into a team like Inter Milan, put your stamp down. 
bring in big players and just get the culture immediately going and everyone behind your team. There's very few managers in the world who you can be like, that manager can do that. I, I, would, I would say like maybe Klopp, Guardiola, or Conte. They deserve the full backing. Yeah. Maybe Mourinho. Like it, obviously at United, it, it, it maybe happened in the first couple of seasons. Obviously not so much in the third season. But up till that point, every team Mourinho was going to, he was putting his stamp down and being successful in. Um, there's not many managers though that you can say that like have done that. On more than on like a couple of teams, even Klopp. I mean, Klopp's done to, that on a couple of teams, but to like, the degree that Conte has. Yeah, Conte's been a roaring success right. pretty much everywhere, everywhere he's, he's gone. Immediately, he's, he hasn't needed time. He's just immediately been successful. So that's that's super impressive to me. And uh, yeah, I think I think for what he has, he's done a great job so far. So and but I think those are the only two teams in the title race this year. I think Napoli yeah. are out. That, that's been made pretty Lazio, clear. Lazio, Cagliari, who After are third and fourth. Games, it's kind of sad because going into this season, I know we, we, I personally was talking about Napoli and as at least uh, in around the same conversation as Inter Milan for teams next up to like challenge Juve if there was like a blip under Sarri. Uh, there obviously hasn't, so I, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but Napoli have not been able to like sustain the incredible form that they had in the later years under Sarri and in, I would say, the first year under Ancelotti. But they were a very good team last they're year. They're sitting in seventh, 19 points. Well, we have to talk about the scandal. We have to talk about what's going on upstairs all the way down to the field where Aurelio De Laurentiis, the uh, infamous uh, Napoli owner and uh, member of the De Laurentiis family that produced Italian movies and made their fortune doing that, he instituted a mandatory, what they call in Italy, uh, uh, retiro, which is a, a forced retreat? retreat for all of the players where they're forced to go into the, uh, the dorms at the training ground, train all day and be completely 100% focused on uh, the team and the, the preparation for the following week. It's a common tactic in the Italy that's used at like the darkest of hours when leading to like a relegation or leading up to... Uh, winning a, a league season or if you're in bad form. But a, a lot of the players, and it's widely reported, Ancelotti himself, the manager or head coach, uh, all disagree with this opinion. And all uh, they all think it's Especially not Especially someone as laid back at Ancelotti. He's probably just like, right. what? No, Ancelotti's mean. whole mantra, his whole thing uh, throughout his coaching career has been a player's manager. I support right. the players. I stand by them. But whatever they feel is right, I feel is right. While still carrying this gravitas and this like air of authority there, where, where players do look up to him, respect him, and do what he says, and he he can kind of play it both ways like that. They're in seventh, so you would be inclined to kind of lean towards De Laurentiis after like the pace they've set the last like three or four seasons. But a lot of those have been just just careless games where they've thrown away a, a three goal lead, I believe, to Atalanta. Yeah, they were they up threw away a two goal uh, lead. Juventus. Or no, they came back against Juventus. They came back and then lost right at the last minute. Yeah. They came back from three nil down in like the third game of the season and then lost four three. Uh they've they've had, they've had a lot of spare breakers. They've had they've had some backbreakers from VAR where penalties have been awarded. Uh actually to be fair in their favor as well as against them. So it's it's been like an an up and down season for Napoli, mostly down, one or two ups, like the the win against Liverpool in the Champions League, which was their best performance of the season by far. But in the league, it's just been far too many draws. It's been almost an Atletico Madrid type situation where uh, whereas Atletico sit in third in their league, 
Napoli are sitting all the way down on seventh, like 12 points off of uh, the league leaders. So they're firmly out of the title race. I, I still think they have a chance to turn around and get into the Champions League. But I think you're probably going to have to see a sort of mini exodus of players in January. Well, that, 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 to happen. That, that can bring us to the two teams that are in the Champions League spots. Um, Napoli are on 19 points. The two teams in the Champions League spots are on 24 points. It's Lazio in third. Uh, Lazio, Chiro Mobile is the top scorer in Syria. Again, 14 goals, five more than Romelu Lukaku, five assists. He's leading Syria in goals and in assists. The guy is an absolute monster in he's, Syria. He's our generation's Antonio Di Natale. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And that's a big compliment to uh, to Chiro because if you didn't know Di Natale, he was one of my favorite players in Syria in the in the 2000s, mid mid to late 2000s. Um, he played on Udinese. And uh, Alexis, Alexis, right? Alexis Sanchez, yeah. Young Alexis Sanchez came uh, from Colo Colo to Udinese and – Speaks so highly of uh, Di Natale as one of the best players he's ever played with and says the guy was just such a model professional. And that brings us to Chiro, who, you know, the guy is five points, you know, has 14 goals in 12 games and, uh, you know, one of the top scoring sides, second top scoring side in Serie A. This Lazio side, Milinko Savic, he looks to be playing well again. Um, Luis Alberto. Trying to get that move. They uh, they look to be you know back again. Yeah, it looks like this team they're never going to win a league, but I think if they make the Champions League this year, it would be uh, it would be a big deal for them. They missed it barely last year. Um, do you remember? They on- no, they missed it barely two years ago, and they missed it like solidly last year. Okay, yeah, last they- year was a down year after like the heartbreak of losing it on the last day to Inter. Yeah, to Inter two years ago at home um, too. But it feels like this team could do it this year. There's enough holes in the uh, in the rest of the teams like You're Napoli, Roma, and Atalanta. You're yeah, I think them? they're going to make it. I think they're going to make Champions League. I like how they've looked this year. I like how they've started this year, and um, they're good defensively. They're not uh, not awful. Only conceded 13 goals. They've scored 28. Uh, they have the best goal difference in the league, and yeah, I I, I like what what they're doing right now. But the surprise package uh, in Syria is. Uh, well, well, what do you tell us about them? Alex? Well, I want to talk. It's Cagliari right now who are sitting in fourth. Cagliari, uh, and the, the only club based on the island of Sardinia, which is part of Italy. But um, it must be fun to play there. Not if you're black. <laughs> Probably not if you're black. You, I'm sure you remember earlier this season Romelu Lukaku yes. taking a penalty and being met with monkey chants when he yes, scored the penalty. Yes, they, yep. They've got a pretty bad rep. Deservedly so, for that. So a little bit racist in Italy sometimes. A little bit, probably a way too much. Which uh, I mean, there's a lot of clubs we've just seen. Any amount of racism is probably a bit too much. Right, but relative to other leagues, yeah, we have racist incidents in England, England, and they're high profile whenever they do happen. But in Italy, they just seem to be brushed aside. And if there is any people do monkey chants to Lukaku in England too. No, I don't think monkey chants. I don't think he ever got that. Okay. I'm sure plenty of stuff. Or people on, threw bananas at him, well, shit like that. Not in England. I, I thought people think so. did. Okay, because no, those people would have been like arrested. Like I feel like I would have remembered that. That would have been huh. something on okay. the same level okay. as as the Sterling Chelsea thing last season. If you remember that, where those fans, yeah, were, like screaming the N word at him, in, like like while he was getting a ball to take a corner kick, like that's how. That's the kind of publicity it gets in England. In Italy, it's just kind of seen as stop complaining. You know, we're just trying to get under your skin, like every no. That's some lines you obviously don't cross, but that is not the only uh, headline when it comes to Cagliari this year. It was a notable one earlier in the season that because uh, it was 
the second game of the season when they uh, did come up against Inter Milan and, and they did lose that game. Uh, but but since then, I, I think after that Inter game, they haven't lost a game in the awesome. league. Yeah, they haven't lost a game in the league the, since the second. Four out of week. the last five games, uh, seven wins, three draws, only two losses this year in twelve games. Uh, 23 goals for, 12 against. So defensively, they've been really good. They've been scoring goals. Where they're, did this team come from? I mean, they're what I like to call the island of misfit toys. This is a term that has been used I, about I like many that. teams in like many that. sports. The island of misfit but toys. They are just chock full of castaways and players that were promising at some point, but never really fulfilled their potential either in uh, other Italian teams or in other leagues. Um, all of those except one uh, for, that I have on my list. But uh, Raja Nangalan was uh, had one season at Inter and was moved on mainly because his wife uh, did she did get breast cancer and she's from Sardinia, so she, he, it was partly motivational to move them back to get her closer to her family while he still played football. Um, but he's obviously been a huge influence on their team. I think he's got four goals and four assists already um, from midfield. Giovanni Simeone, uh, Diego's son, who was playing at Fiorentina the last few years and kind of underwhelmed in to- terms of his total goal-scoring tally. But uh, he's paired really well with uh, João Pedro, a Brazilian forward in his mid to late 20s. Four goals, two assists. Yeah, so they've been a, a potent uh, partnership. And they've kind of been playing a similar style to Marco Giampaolo's Sampdoria the last couple of years, where they play this fourth, uh, 4-4-2 diamond, uh, diamond midfield with João Pedro and... Uh, and uh, Simeone. Wow, Jao Pedro, top. six goals. Yeah, he's doing he's very top well. Scorer. Yeah, doing very, very well. He's, he's been Where there this for, guy come from? He's been there for four or five years okay. since moving over from Brazil in his like, early 20s. He's Probably in his mid-20s now? He's 27, 27 or 28. Um, it's a potent strike partnership with Nangolan right behind them. Uh, and then another misfit toy in Marco Rog, uh, the Croatian midfielder yeah, from Napoli. Mm-hmm. Never really got his chance there like Fabian and some of their other midfielders did. So similar to Diawara leaving this summer, he was sold to Cagliari. Uh, they got Roma Castaways, uh, or Roma Castaway Robin Olsen, who had a great World Cup and then completely shit the bed for Roma last year. Uh, and then Ragnar Klavan from Liverpool. So shout out to Andrew. We got a Liverpool reject, uh, turning it around, turning the career around, and do, playing well at the top of the table. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, a lot of recognizable names, but just players who haven't, other than Nanaglan, who've never really made it at the top level. Um, well, N- Nandez, who's the last name on the list, who isn't a, a misfit toy. He was one of the best players on that Boca Juniors team that went to the, uh, the Copa Libertadores final and lost to uh, River Plate. They signed him in the summer, and he's been a stud in that midfield. Him, Marco Rog, and uh, Nangolan have just been super energetic, uh, all-action midfielders who really allow them to play this like very uh, thin, width-wise formation. They just make up for it with a bunch of energy. So... They're an interesting team. Yeah, I don't know. Fun team to watch. I, I personally, I know we just talked uh, a lot about them, but I don't know if I would uh, fancy them to stay uh, or to keep this level of form and stay in fourth place. But I, I think if they drift down to the Europa League spots, that'll be a hugely successful season. I'm guessing you still have Juventus, Inter, Napoli, and is Atalanta your fourth team? We've got uh, Atalanta's in fifth place right now, tied on 22 points with Roma. Who uh, Roma been looked pretty good this year. Um, it's, it's a heads. It's a toss up between Atalanta and Roma. Yeah, for me I, too. I'll yeah, lean Atalanta. I'm leaning Roma. Yeah, I like I like Tiawara. I like the, I like Roma's midfield. I like uh, I like some of the youth they have and El Sharawi and. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! 
El Shawawi is no longer. Oh, yeah, you're right. He's not you. It's like yeah. it's like saying uh, uh, Lucas Vasquez, no, the young, he's the young the Jesse Lingard. Yeah, the Jesse. Yeah, Jesse, like, what's Jesse Lingard now? Like twenty seven. Right. Yeah. Everyone's like the young Jesse Lingard. You're just like, damn it, the young Theo Walcott. Right. Exactly. Yeah. El Shawawi. Uh, that's a great call. Um, no, Zaniolo is the is the yeah Zaniolo and uh, the Russian kid Cengiz Under Cheng Turkish, Turkish Turkish kid. Come on, man. What did I say? Russian. Russian? What? All right. Right next to each other. Yeah, yeah right. Same exactly thing. Same. They're like communists have dictators. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Same thing. This is know? now a political podcast. Right. Uh, next, we'll be the, displaying the similarities and differences between uh, They Russian both uh, dicked their neighbors and uh, genocided their uh, their. Okay, their okay, neighbors. okay. <laughs> no? 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 All right. We'll record that one after this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I kind of like Roma. I'm leaning leaning towards Roma um, if they make the push and somehow Napoli doesn't turn things around. But I think Napoli will probably still make that fourth spot. Um, your uh, your boy uh, Duvan Zapata and uh, Lucas... Atalanta, I was telling you before the podcast, yeah, they, uh, people don't know this. They score a lot of goals. They score a lot of goals. They yeah, 30 goals. In Champions League. They're the top scoring team in uh, Serie A, even though they've only won one go- game in the last five. I think a lot of high scoring draws, they had, they three bunch, threes, two twos. Yeah, and it seems like they this recently team, uh, threw away a 3 0 lead to Lazio. Wow. Okay, yeah. So, so they're that kind of volatile where no lead And is they safe, looked really good. I remember watching the highlights where they looked really good, but just defensively, they just. Got crushed and yeah, Lazio ended up I think winning that game, right? No, it was three 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 three. Okay, three three. three, three. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I still believe in Atalanta because the goal scoring is not it's not like a blip. It's uh, I was saying to you before we started recording, they've been the highest goal scorers in Serie A for each of the last two seasons. So the goals will be there. It's unfortunate that they weren't able to put string together a few good performances in the Champions League because. Uh, I thought the goal-scoring ability and attacking ability they showed was something that could translate well to the Champions League, but instead the chances kind of dried up for them. So, I mean, that'll be good for them. They'll at least, uh, I think, be able to focus on just the league. They won't be able to get that Europa League spot now because Shakhtar and, uh, and uh, is it Kiev? No, it's uh, Zagreb. Dynamo Zagreb. Yeah. Are fighting it out for the second yep. and third places there. So they'll focus on the league the rest of this year, and I think they'll wrap up top four. And, you know, maybe year two in Champions League, they've got a bit more cash to go out and actually spend on players and finalize some loans. So Before we uh, wrap up Serie A, we probably have a few teams we can touch up on here. Um, three teams that we, I would say... We only need one. We only need the one. No, well, I was going to say a couple teams that are traditionally have been in the upper echelons of, of Serie A, or in the last few years have been up there, have been Fiorentina and Torino. Both teams that in the past have had big players on them have been Europa League teams, maybe pushing for the Champions League spot. Um, that one year, Balotti was doing really well for Torino, and they're both falling off. Um, don't look like they're doing well, but really, really, the one we got to talk about is AC Milan, sitting in 14th place, 13 points in, and they're 19 points off the top of the table. Um, they are nine points off of top four. And sorry, eleven points off of top four, which is math r- rough for them. Uh, that's a lot. That's a big, big, big gap to be making up at this point. And even though Arsenal are nine points off of top four, and I still think they're going to make top four. Uh, I think that oh, he walked himself into that. Yeah, one. I was like, ah, oh, shit. What am I? What am I even going to go for now? I don't know. I think I, th- this Milan side—they have so many problems now. They've got a 
shitty. Well, you haven't mentioned the, shitty back the, of the house. You haven't mentioned they fired their manager, yeah. uh, Giampaolo, Marco Giampaolo, uh, who spent a lot of money this summer, got a lot of players in, changed okay. a lot of. Come on, Javier, you, you missed your chance to take your shot. He didn't spend the money. Who spent the money? Ah, Gazita's trash. Well, I was getting there. They have a terrible. Uh, <laughs> You're putting the blame on Giampaolo. Director, right? sporting director now, who was supposed to be taking this team to the next level, and everyone, a lot of uh, Arsenal fans were crying when he left, um, saying, "Oh, well, you know, why does this guy get to leave? Uh, you know, why isn't he? You know, Milan fans were saying, "Haha, they poached him from us." Well, Milan fans, now you see what the uh, what what a real bald we fraud is. A lot is. of Milan fans listen to this podcast. <laughs> probably, probably not. No, the- uh, but yeah, it, it just seven losses already from this Milan side. Four wins, one draw. Seven losses at this point. Uh, they, what, what what do they need to get out of this? I mean, do you do you still think they could turn this around and even make the top six? I mean, yeah, yeah, I think they definitely could. It's twelve games in, but what twenty twenty six? But it looks pretty competitive. That top six is going to be pretty hard to make this year. So I don't sure it is. But what 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 is the word that I just used to describe uh, Lazio? It's volatile. A lot of these teams are they're kind of fragile mentally, and as good as they can look uh, in in some short spurts. They can look equally as bad, and it just starts to snowball. So it's definitely all to play for for Milan. But the the biggest uh, indictment, I think, of their season so far has to be the fact that going into the season, they did spend a big chunk of money for, I think, the second or third season in a row while dealing with a, uh, a oh, so financial been, they, fair play. Oh, so they've been switching like ownership every like every like couple they're, of years. They're, I think they're set in the current ownership, okay. the American owners, and that, the American owners are the ones who brought in Gazidis brought in Maldini, who refused to work under the previous owners, the previous two owners, because he didn't believe in the project. So they're starting to get uh, AC Milan legends back into the club and uh, and actually running things rather than the businessmen getting too involved. But the biggest indictment of their season is that going into the season, not only did they spend that money to remake the squad more so in Giampaolo's image when he came in from Sampdoria and introduced a very different style, but... Also, Sampdoria, by the that way, financial almost fair of the play. league. They've, they've gone to shit yes. after, uh, after that. He's a good manager. He just wasn't getting the time. But the, the biggest indictment is that because of that financial fair play, uh, it's, not, it's an inquest. But the way financial fair play works is that you work like hand-in-hand hand with uh, the, the representatives from uh, UEFA to basically come to agree, an agreement on a budget each season. And they made an agreement with UEFA this year that even though they had an automatic qualification place for Europa League, they forfeited that Euro- that Europa League place, passed it down to Torino, who got knocked out in the uh, the, the, the qualifying rounds for it, and uh, decided we're just going to let Giampaolo focus on the league, uh, get his style in place, see if we can get into Champions League with a full focus on our league season, and go from there. And they could not have looked any worse. They've since, uh, like you mentioned, fired Giampaolo and they brought in Stefano Pioli, who's kind of a middling... Don't know who the fuck uh, that guy yeah, is. He's, he's had, Probably going to be out by jobs uh, here and there in, Italy, but in, some, in the summer. So. It's, it's, it's not looking good. And uh, I don't expect it to really turn around, but I wouldn't completely give up on them yet. So keep an eye on AC Milan, see if they can crawl themselves out of that pit. And uh, we're going to jump to... Uh, the final league of the rest of the Europe. I can't believe we just leagues. fucking did thirty minutes on Syria. Syria is interesting, man. What, what, can, with, I, what, what, I, what can I tell us, you? Dude. Syria is interesting. There's what an actual is title wrong race with there. us because there's no title race where we're going next. Where uh, we, we all knew it. It's right. We're not, we're not like delusional. Uh, France's league on is once again uh, dominated by PSG, who uh, are on 
30 points in first place. Marseille. Even even though they've lost three games, they're still like eight points clear at the top of the table. Because they, they don't draw. Pathetic. They're just balls to the wall. We're right. going to throw everything at We're going to throw the kitchen sink at you. If you can take more chances than we take, good luck to you because we've got better attacking players. And uh, Kind of surprising. No, no one's really banging in the goals this year in uh, Liga. We've got uh, Ben Yedder with nine goals. Musa Dembele with Leon, nine goals. Uh, Victor Osimhen, seven. Habib Diallo on Mets with eight. But there isn't really uh, – you know, you don't see the Mbappe in the well, name well, you, know, you know what that is. It's the injuries for all of us. Right. Yeah, actually, PSG yeah. Mbappe's goals. got five goals and three assists and he's only played 400 The player minutes. that I think needs the most credit for PSG for keeping them like significantly afloat compared to everyone else in the league has to be Di Maria. Where he's been the the creative hub. Di Maria, when, yes, when and uh, are, and Icardi recently as well too. Yeah, but I'm talking about the creative player who's sure. setting up those. Sure, chances. Di Maria. Di Maria, been, five goals, five assists in the league. Uh, also been doing some of the work in the Champions League. Some of it destroyed Real Madrid. Yeah, in the first game. He's been uh, he's been he's been really good, and and you got to say, I mean, this PSG side are obviously just looking at the Champions League. Um, there doesn't seem to be anyone who's going to have any type of consistency in the league. Well, we're going to get on to that from in a second. from second place Marseille, which are on twenty two points, all the way down to fourteenth place. There's hey only a six point gap between Lyon, Nice, Monaco, Rennes, all in tenth, eleventh, thirteenth, fourteenth, respectively, and yeah, just. Liga just looks like a shit show this year where first is decided and everything else is up for grabs because there are a lot of teams like Montpellier, Bordeaux, uh, Rennes, Nantes who I don't think you'd expect to be pushing for those Champions League or Europa League spots but they're all in it right now and Still in play. it looks like all these other teams are – I mean Monaco have conceded 22 goals and scored 20. I don't know how the fuck that you even do that. I mean they're like – They've conceded. They've. They're one of the. They're the second best offense in Liga, but they're the worst defense. And Yeesh. it's. Uh, it seems probably a fun combination to go to games, but also incredibly frustrating. A lot if you're of two a twos. A lot of three twos. Right. A lot of. Uh, um, a lot of spankings. What, what? Where do we even want to talk? Who do you want to talk about here? I think in we Liga? need to. I think we need to address the preseason discussion we had of the team that had the best chance. Uh, to I, I don't know if we use the word challenge PSG. I think we said Leon, but like we did say Leon. Fourteen points away right now, Leon from PSG. Only thirteen games in. I obviously well, that's not happening. We, we need to talk. Yeah, it's not, and we need to talk about the fact that this uh, like Brazilian uh, revolution that uh, Leon attempted with bringing in Juninho Pernambucano Pernam- well, yeah. Pernam- as the uh, sporting director, who then hired his buddy Silvino, uh, the left back from his Arsenal and Barcelona right. days, uh, to be the, uh, the the manager. Uh, he started out destroying teams in the first three games. Remember, they destroyed Monaco. Yeah, they looked really they good. They destroyed, I think, uh, Angers, where they bought uh, uh, Rene Adelaide from. 5 0. Yeah. Since then, they have barely won a game since. They've got a couple wins here and there, but. It's been really rough sledding for them. The only thing that I think was keeping Silvino in the, in the job was the fact that they were doing relatively well in Champions League before that really embarrassing loss at Benfica, where Anthony Lopez just threw the ball to the Benfica player to let oh, them Oh, yeah, that the was winner. bizarre. I remember that. Uh, I mean, they're still probably, I think, going to get out of their group. So since they fired Silvino after that uh, promising start and terrible uh, falling off a cliff that he went through, they brought in former Marseille and Roma manager. Uh, Rudy Garcia, 
I'm sure you recognize him. He was Roma manager for about three or four years. Yeah. Uh, Marseille had an up and down two or three seasons there and eventually left. He's an experienced, steady head that I think could get them back in to the swing of things. Uh, but then again, I wouldn't even fully uh, blame them if they just focused everything on Champions League. And if they have a little mini running Champions League while sort of like dithering in the league and staying around mid-table, they could sell a bunch of those players uh, for way more money if they get to a quarterfinal of the Champions League. Sure. Maybe it's not a bad plan. Yeah, and yeah. from there, you go in and buy more assets and reset the team more. But so, it doesn't look like anyone's going to be breaking the chokehold PSG has on the league anytime nope. soon. It looks like this is uh, kind of a boring league in that sense. Um, there Shout are, out to Tuchel. There are a couple teams. Thomas Tuchel doesn't get enough credit, I feel like. I feel like he gets a lot of like rumors thrown at him like, oh, he might leave PSG. I feel like he's got like a good – he will leave someday. But I feel like right now we need to we need to think about uh, what are the chances that he is actually ready to take that next step as a manager. And I feel like it's about the time that it was maybe in Klopp's yeah, Dortmund let's, career. Let's see him win the Champions to a, League. Well, Klopp got to a, a Champions League final with Dortmund. Right. And, you know, Tuchel got to a quarterfinal and lost to, to Monaco when his team's bus got bombed. So he's – I feel like he's like right on the precipice of making that leap into like – uh, closer to the, the the top five managers than uh, he's currently considered as, but so I'm not really going to talk too much about the placement because from second place to yeah, ninth, there's only a three point <laughs> not, gap. None of it matters. <laughs> so all of these teams could basically be in second. Um, but teams to watch this year, uh, Marseille look pretty decent. Um, they've got a couple of players. Andre Diaz Boas is Marseille. Yeah, they just look, beat they Leon. look decent. Uh, they just beat Leon. Um, well, Leon without Memphis Depay, who is their catalyst, and um, Saint Etienne, uh, unbeaten in seven games since they fired their manager and hired uh, Claude Puel. Claude Puel. It's uh, the most French-sounding man of all time. Seems like defensively, they're they they've gotten their solidity back. Um, our, our my Arsenal boy William Saliba, who uh, we bought from them last year and sent him back on loan, played a few games for them. Now he's hurt again. Uh, he's going to be one of those. He's going to be one of those. He was hurt at the beginning of the season. He's hurt again. Um, 19 years old. Maybe he's having growing pains. Maybe he's still growing into his body. It's a little worrying. It's a little worrying to hear that, that, you know, he's getting hurt early on like this, especially playing in Liga. But still, it's great to hear that his development is really good. And when he was back, um, you know, they went on a great run of form and everyone was talking really great about him. I think he, he's like their captain at like 19. So can I just Um, say the player that I've heard him most widely compared to, has been Virgil Van Dyke, and I think people forget about how many uh, like small injuries Van Dyke suffered uh, early in his career at Celtic, definitely, and absolutely at Southampton. And those seem to have disappeared since he went to Liverpool and has become like a fully matured leader in that team. I don't know what it is that's caused that. Maybe it's just better. Uh, I don't know physios or something like that. But you know, there's it's not completely uh, like a, a hopeless. To, uh, for uh, for Saliba yet, you know, he could just be a phase early on in his career where the injuries just happen a bit more than usual. But he's the little that I've seen of him. He's an absolute monster in the box. He's built to to be a dominant force in the Premier League. And when his loan at Saint Etienne comes to an end at the end of uh, this season, I, I'll I'll probably say it. He'll probably improve Arsenal's defense like immensely. Just having getting to kick one of those other players who makes too many mistakes out of there. Definitely. Um... Any other teams in uh, Ligue 1 that were like really fussed to talk about? I don't, I'm not really fussed about Monaco. You did mention them a little no, bit. No, um, I mean, really just like... Lille, maybe? 
Leal. Yeah, I've been watching them. Ren, Ren and Leal, Victor Osimhen, we've mentioned him before. He, he's a fun player to watch. Um, on Ren, they've got uh, Mbini Yang, the player who was on Watford last year yeah, on, on Milan he previously. Well. He's got five goals. Um, they've also got this young kid, uh, Kamavinga, uh, oh. who's this 17-year-old midfielder uh, who plays on Ren, who is absolutely phenomenal uh, defensively, just some absolute monster like an Ingolo Kante while also being able to score goals and spray balls around the field. And yes, he is 17. So if you have not watched this kid uh, and you get a chance to watch Ren, I highly recommend it because um, – and then randomly, uh, Islam Slimani, who's – has five Shout goals and seven assists on Monaco. Uh, Monaco look like you know they're not going to be in relegation trouble this year, and like I said, they're three points off of top four, so I'm sure they could uh, they could make a run at it this year. And um, yeah, it, it's Syria or uh, Liga looks to be wide open in terms of the rest of the 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 league, but it, the quality of play and and the quality of the teams, you know, you don't see anything really coming from these teams uh, in Europa or in Champions League. Um, you don't see Lille, Lyon, Marseille, or um, I think the, you know, Nice maybe. Is Nice in, in Europa? Just, you don't see any of these teams pushing. San Etienne um, are having a really good Europa League. Are they? Uh, okay. Campaign so far. They're going to get out of their group, I believe. So, I mean, but, you, but you don't see any of these teams pushing um, and making like a quarter or semifinal. So. No, no, absolutely not. I think it's a, it's, it's a problem for French football right now in terms of like how their league is. I, internationally, they're obviously still doing really well. and they're, it's, they're a problem, best, it's a problem for their best team, let alone the rest of them. Yeah. Their, their best team hasn't been able to get over the I mean, I think Champions as long league. as it stays like this, then it's going to be hard for, for PSG and, or whoever the best team in France is going to be to ever win the Champions League because – they don't have anyone to be competitive against, and it makes for watching the league really boring. Like I'm never like, oh, let's go watch this league game. Now I, there isn't even like a I, there I isn't do. even a league game right now that I'd really even want to watch. Maybe like the, the Leon Marseille game did that to me. Sure, day. I was like, oh, I occasionally, I watch this. I yeah, watch occasionally this. there are games that you might want to watch like that, but it's uh, they're few and far between, and and it kind of feels a little bit like a dying league. So, yeah, just a little bit of thoughts on that. It's the, it's the ultimate development league. That's why we watch uh, yeah, uh, league on. It's for the development. We want to. They see. do. They do develop the best players. Kamavinga. Somebody's going to buy you him. Know, you get. You get like Usman Dembele is at Ren. Victor Osimhen gods. Victor Osimhen. Right. I mean, a little bit older of one, Nic- but Nic- one, I think, one thing that I think needs uh, mentioning is Jonathan Ikone, who's really yeah, stepped up. He's for lighting little, it up right scored now. Scored a beautiful equalizer at home against Valencia at the very end of uh, of uh, their Champions League game with Valencia. He's. He's, and he's been getting way more opportunities for France lately. So he's someone that you'll start to see a lot more of and will probably get his move next summer. Um, he, he's not really considered a teenager or young anymore, but he's, he's he's coming into his prime years of his career. So that wraps up for the second part of our Continental Catch-Up episode. I hope we were able to keep you guys a little bit occupied with some footy talk during the international break because God only knows How did we just do else. 45 minutes on Syria and Liga? What the fuck? 30 minutes on Syria, man. We can talk, I can talk about Syria all day. We, we can talk about it all day. Is, sorry, guys. I'm really sorry that <laughs> we did this as, a, as, an episode, as its own episode for the Ghost Gold podcast. Uh, well, Javier, thank you for letting me come over to your lovely abode and talk about European football with you. And uh, I'm Alex. He's Javier. Follow us on Instagram and uh, for me, Twitter at JavierRev9 for him and at ASMOS92 for me. Uh, our brother, Andrew Pissarro, you can follow on Instagram and Twitter under that uh, at, and of course, at Pod. Keep an eye out for our Premier League preview coming later in the week. And until next time, thank you.